بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وزدنا علم آمين برحمتك يا رحم الرحمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته أبري and thanks are due solely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choices peace blessings and salutations upon our master and exemplar Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum I welcome you to this uh, installment of our course the, the purification of the soul by the Isnad Academy and of course we usually have this as a class setting a private setting for those who registered for the course tonight's session is a Q&A a discussion and we decided to open it up to the general uh, to the general public simply so that everyone can take some benefit from the course inshallah and see what it's all about so um, as the students are streaming in um, on both youtube and facebook we also have members from the public who are joining us as well so um, let me tell you a little bit about the course and about tonight's session so the course is about tazkiyah essentially uh, which means the purification of the heart the purification of the soul Tazgiyatul uh, Qulub, it is called Tazgiyatul Nafs, it is called And the idea behind the course is to learn the fundamental principles about what we need to do as Muslims To purify ourselves, as in develop our good qualities And gain control of the negative qualities that we may have within us And thus far we have had at least one question and answer discussion session And uh, Alhamdulillah that was about personal struggles and personal development now, tonight, we are dealing with couples' struggles, couples' challenges, and uh, specifically in relation to personal development and spiritual development. So we're not going to be looking at, you know, just uh, general marriage issues, but rather marital issues that pertain to our tazgiyah to nafs. So we have the, the questions from the students. We've had some questions coming in, alhamdulillah. We've got voice notes that will be playing. And we will also be taking questions from the general public, but preference will be given to the questions which we've already received from the registered students of the course, uh, So if you are joining us and you're not part of the course, I'll take this opportunity to thank you for joining us uh, on this night and to also encourage you to perhaps share the link, um, like and subscribe if you've not done so already, share the link with family and friends and perhaps they too can benefit from the discussion, uh, inshallah. I'm not going to take uh, too long with each question because potentially it could um, it could be such that one question takes a really long time to to respond to. However, we will try to give each question its due right, inshallah ta'ala. So let's begin. I will play the, the voice notes which I have received um, one at a time and then attempt to answer them, inshallah. And simply, if we don't know the answer, we will... Uh, explain that we don't know the answer and that we would require further research because this is the appropriate thing to do, inshallah. So, our first question from Sister Yumna, inshallah. Let's bismillah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Um, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. My question is around um, as, a, as a female or as a married couple, um, what should you be working consciously and actively towards to um, ensure that your soul? you know, is um, purified and your heart is purified and contented. Um, so in terms of our obligations towards Allah um, or towards our, our faith, um, you know, most of us are taught to have children, um, sorry, have <laughs> get married, have children, um, you know, raise them in, in, in the deen. Um, but what if that's not the case for you? What if you are, um, you have fertility issues and, um you know, you've not been able to um, raise a family and you're a working wife. Um, are you doing something wrong? Are you pursuing something that you, or you should you be more actively pursuing to become um, parents as a couple? Um, should you be actively adopting? <laughs> um, I guess um, that's also a question because um, what is, what, what, what should we be doing? You know, is me... As the wife working, going against um, my obligations towards Allah Ta'ala and living a life for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. And are we as a couple being too complacent 
with um, our situation or the fact that we are satisfied with our situation and not dissatisfied. Like, yes, it would be great, but we're not dissatisfied with our situation and we just keep on keeping on. Um, Is that okay? Um, Yeah, I think that's my question. Um, What should our focus be as a couple? And if I am working and actively working as a corporate person, um, am I pursuing dunya and I sh- instead of <laughs> pursuing to become a mother? And is that wrong? Jazakumullah khairan for the question. And for being open and willing to share your experiences with us, it's not an easy thing. So uh, may Allah Ta'ala open up the path for you and grant you all the strength that you require through this challenge. Uh, fertility is a is a topic that I think deserves a lot more attention, specifically infertility. And I am blessed in the sense that I can actually speak about this topic from a personal perspective. Um, myself and my wife, we will be married for 13 years this year in November. And we have one daughter, alhamdulillah. And we only... Sorry about that. We only um, conceived in our 10th year of marriage. And this was not because we wanted to do so. This was not because we uh, decided to do so. This was simply a an act of God, so to speak. So there were a number of issues regarding our fertility, right? Um, some of them were in relation to myself and some of them were in relation to my wife. And we discovered this when after three years of, you know, no signs of any pregnancy, but we were not using any contraceptives, we then went for testing. And then the tests revealed that there were a number of issues that needed to be seen to. These included an operation that I had to go for. Um, this included treatment and so on. Anyway, so this was a long struggle. It was in and out of the hospitals. Um, we were on a medical aid at the time, so we could see both private hospitals as well as public hospitals because the actual process of IVF and so on, we actually went to a public hospital. But these procedures all seemed to not be effective, right? Even the IVF, which you know we were told like this is a 20% uh, chance that it, it, it would work. Um, that wasn't successful either. Now, bearing in mind, every time was a challenge. Every single time there was an indication of, uh, okay, there was there was another period of hide. So it was, this was an extreme disappointment for my wife and of course for me as well, but more so for her because I think there's some sort of natural instinct that a woman goes into where she feels the need to, to, to mother, you know, to parent a child and to become a mother. And... On a man's side, there's also a pressure, right? Especially among Muslims. I don't know if if the case is across the board, but among Muslims, as soon as you get married, very soon after that, family members, friends, they start asking, you know, when are you going to get married? Uh, When are you going to have children? Um, And like with me, with with the scholars, you know, generally, uh, Maulanas tend to have many kids, mashallah. So then there's questions from your colleagues about, you know, uh, this this person's got another child, that person's got another child, so when are you guys going to have a child? And people are quite very insensitive about this issue assuming that you know you're just supposed to go and have sex and then you're going to conceive and if you're not if you're not conceiving that means you're obviously not wanting to conceive so when you're going to make a plan so that's a big challenge to deal with it's a huge psychological burden and um, I suppose men and women deal with it quite differently so it's only natural to see that you have a struggle like this that's affecting you and the, the, the turmoil is pouring over into other realms of your life. So now you're starting to question your spirituality because you're actually a working woman, which is quite normal in this day and age. And now you wonder, you know, should you be giving more attention to your role as a wife and as a potential mother and um, are you doing something wrong by working? Are you, being in, uh, are you being trapped by the dunya, so to speak? Now, okay, so it's, it's normal to see that the struggle is actually affecting other realms of your life. 
and I think it's important for you to understand that this issue of the fertility or infertility rather is not something that you are responsible for, right? Allah speaks about this in the Quran and he says that for some people he grants, uh, you know, many kids, he grants them boys and other, other people he grants them girls and other people he grants boys and girls and for others he grants them no children, no offspring. And there are other incidents in the Quran that speak about prophets going through the same struggle where through, uh, throughout their life they had no children and then miraculously later on in their life they conceive. And in other instances, like Sayyida Maryam والسلام, without any marriage, without any uh, male intervention, so to speak, um, they, they just happen to be a, a, a pregnancy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that's in charge. And that's, that's very important. If you are, um, if you are, you know, dealing with, with this issue alone, I would advise you to seek assistance. Even if it be counseling, even if it be reaching out to people who love you and who care for you so that you don't have to go through the struggle alone, because I know it can be very, very traumatic and very difficult, um, especially like I said in our community where there's this expectation and people who don't know assume that it's because you're doing something wrong. Now, as for the working element in your question, right, there's nothing wrong with a woman working unless her working is going to involve something haram or is going to take away from her fard responsibilities that she, um, that she owes, you know, whether that be to her husband or to her children, etc. But intrinsically, working in and of itself is not a problem. Remember Sayyida Khadija radiallahu anha, she was a businesswoman and the Prophet وسلم, worked for her before they got married. So working just in that example is something praiseworthy. It, it, it's something that, she, you know, it granted her power. But also we need to know that working in this day and age for a woman is different to how things were back then, perhaps from certain perspectives, right? So um, if you can, I mean, and I think we've spoken about this before to the person who sent the question, uh, you have a situation where, you know, you don't have to worry about covering yourself properly or making salah at work, etc. And, you know, it's a pretty safe environment. So that's great. If a lady can be assured of that and her husband is satisfied as well and there's no issues coming up in terms of her responsibilities and her duties, then that's fine. But if she wants to go the extra mile, right, um, in, as far as the spirituality, uh, spirituality is concerned, and she wants to then stop working for whatever reason, that's her prerogative. Because any contributions that she makes to the household is sadaqah. It should not be looked at as, um, it should not be looked at as something that, how can I put this, that uh, she owes the household or she owes her husband. It should be looked at as something that she is giving as a sadaqah. And this is very important to understand. Islam does not oblige um, the lady in the house, whether that be a mother or a daughter or a wife, to provide an income for the household, right? Islam demands that the, the nafaqa is provided by the amir of the household. Um, and in the case of a married couple, that would be the husband. And that's his duty. And if the wife decides to work and contribute, that's her sadaqah. And if she works, she does not need to give that contribution towards the house. Now, I know for many couples and for many families, this is kind of a, an expected thing because people um, want to live a certain type of lifestyle and they want to have a house and the bond is so much and they need the income of both partners. <clears throat> so if that is a decision that the couple makes, that's, you know, that should be by means of mashura between the two of them. And uh, it shouldn't be an expectation. So in your situation, you're not, to, to be clear and to be kind of straightforward about it, you are not doing something wrong by working. If you decide to stop and you decide to focus on your spirituality more and you decide to give focus to, you know, trying, you know, harder with regards to fertility, then bismillah. But there's no Islamic expectation that you must, especially in a situation where both uh, both partners in the relationship, they understand that this is qadr Allah wa ma sha'a fa'ala. This is the, the qadr and qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We, myself and my wife, reached a point where we actually, uh, we became sort of satisfied that, you know what, we're going to try 
but we're not going to be, um, you know, beating ourselves up regarding the result. Alhamdulillah, we then went on Hajj when we were married for 10 years, and of course, still trying, so we were going to be making all sorts of du'as on Hajj for that. When we arrived in Mecca, we went to Mecca first, when we arrived in Mecca, uh, her period was late, we suspected something's going on. I knew that, you know, this is it because I just knew. It's just a feeling that this is definitely it. And uh, alhamdulillah, then she was hamil with uh, our daughter, who's now three, subhanAllah. Now, um, if you think that you're doing something wrong, I think this has something to do with the challenge that you're actually facing, you know. Uh, I know there's a sense of, am I not Am I not performing well enough? Is there something wrong with me? Is there something that uh, that I'm I'm doing wrong? Is there something that I can do more? So in relation to what you can do, you can just do your best. You can go through the whatever treatment it is, whether that's IVF or something, and you've said that you've actually been through that and didn't work. But, you know, don't think that you are in charge of the result. And don't make your effort so much that it actually affects every other aspect of your life because then you're like investing all of your time and effort and energy into this one thing and then if it fails, you become despondent and depressed. Carry on with life in my opinion and try as, as well. But if things don't work out, if you choose that you, know, you want to go the route of adopting, that's a very praiseworthy and noteworthy thing. Many couples, um, you know, they, they want to look at this as like a, a last resort. But subhanAllah, the Prophet said that I and the one who looks after the orphan is like this in Jannah. So that's a praiseworthy thing. I would say if, you, if you're even thinking that this is something you're going to eventually do, don't like, you know, make it a suspended thing, right? If this happens, then, you know, we're going to wait until that age. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. If you are capable, if you are able then perhaps this is your opportunity to give a home to another child and perhaps this is what Allah Ta'ala has opened up for you. And on top of all of that, I've heard of so many uh, situations where couples went through this type of struggle, they adopted as soon as they adopt, you know, not long after that, and then Allah blesses them with a child of their own. So, um, you know, I hope that kind of settles your, your question. But don't, for the second thing, that you're neglecting your duty unless you're in a situation where you are unable to fulfill the rights of another uh, individual, such as your husband or your children. You know, you're not raising your children and you feel that you, you, you are neglecting them or you feel like you're neglecting your, your husband. In that situation there, you know, there's nothing wrong if you decide, you know what, I want to step up as a wife. I want to step up as a mother or a daughter or whatever the case may be. Um, and I'm going to leave off this other pursuit. Um, there isn't such a thing as a balance between work life and dean life. You know, the idea that you must have this balance is a false modern Western idea, I think. Rather, you should look at how best to integrate all of the aspects of your life because you're a Muslim throughout. And, uh, you know, be the best in every, in every aspect of your life. So there's no hard and fast, you must do this or you must do that. But rather make a decision based on istikhara, based on mashura, and do what you feel is right, but know that certain parts of your challenge is not within your control. I hope that uh, settles that question, inshallah. And you're welcome to send me a follow-up um, if there's any aspect that I may have missed because it was a bit of a long uh, question. So there, there were a few aspects there. If I did miss anything, then by all means, you can send me a follow-up on that. Bidnillah. Okay, so the next, uh, the next question came from a text. I'm going to read the question, inshallah. Uh, the person who sent the question would like to remain anonymous. And the question is as follows. How would I approach matters with regards to Tazkia with my spouse if he does not share the same goals as me, as I, right? If watching TV is a norm, then suddenly not watching television together, but prefer to recite and make dhikr in another room will result in a, in a strain in the marriage. Okay, so this is a, a very good question, okay? And this is quite a common uh, common thing that, that, that takes place. A couple gets married. Um, sometime after that, one of the two decides to uh, gain proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the other one isn't quite as ready. So perhaps, and it's usually the wife, so I'm going to use the wife as an example. So the wife starts attending classes, she starts changing her life, she starts dressing differently, she starts doing things differently in the home, and her husband isn't quite there yet. So now what's happening is, 
he wants to, you know, watch a movie or watch series and she doesn't quite feel comfortable with that movie or that series because um, there's perhaps inappropriate content and so on. Um, this is going to cause a bit of strain. Yes, it, it, it absolutely will eventually. And the, the further the progression of the, the one partner and the further behind the other partner remains, the more strain there will be in the marriage. Now, on the one hand, one could argue that, look here, if he's doing something haram, if she's doing something haram, then obviously, you know, they must change and they must come right and so on and so forth. But it's, it's very important to understand that, look, the two of you came into this marriage when you were on a certain level. One of you decided to move up. That doesn't necessarily mean you must just leave the other one behind, okay? But it also doesn't mean that you must be kept behind because the other one doesn't want to play along. What you do need to do is find a better way of communicating. So you come to some sort of an understanding. Communication is key in this regard. As you progress, you need to speak openly about your journey to your partner. You need to tell your partner that, look, I know for years we've been going to the club or for years we've been um, listening to music, for years we've been watching series uh, and binge watching movies, etc., etc. But I would like to make a change and I need you to bear with me in this change. Things are going to be a bit different. So perhaps let's compromise in that. I'm going to watch less and when we do watch something together, I'm going to ask that it be appropriate content as an example. Um, I'm going to be spending more time in classes. I'm going to be reading, etc. I would really like for you to come with me at least to one class or for us to sit together and maybe recite once a week. Find a middle ground that he's willing to come to and you also go towards where he is a little bit without going into anything haram. And in this way, your communication will help you journey together. Because in marriage, it's like, a, it's like an equilateral triangle like that. So the two people are on the on the bottom, the base side of the triangle. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can think of Allah as being at the top. And the closer you move to Allah together, the closer you'll move together to each other as well. And I, I like this example because you can understand that, you know, you need to move together on the same path collectively. Even if you're doing separate things, but you need to communicate where you are at, especially if you started out on a different uh, playing field. Right? Maybe you started dating in high school or something like that or in university or some, you know, at some point or the other. So the very fact that you, you guys were dating means that you are not that biased because dating isn't allowed, right? So then you got married and you were living a certain type of life. Then you matured a bit. One of the two of you matured faster than the other. And now things are a bit disparate because the one doesn't want to move with the other. That's okay. It's natural, right? But... You need to communicate your journey. You need to actually speak to your partner and tell them, look, this is what's happening to me. This is why I'm changing. It's not that I'm just trying to be better than you or it's not that I'm trying to show you up or it's not that I'm trying to create distance in our marriage. I actually want to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this will, inshallah, make the transition much easier. If he's not or she's not playing the, the game at all, so they, they want absolutely no compromise, this is where things become a bit more challenging and you may need third-party assistance. So I have in the past coached couples um, where this is the case, right? Where the wife progressed tremendously, mashallah, but the husband is still very much doing things that are haram and so on. But he was willing to listen. He was willing to speak to me and we spoke. And um, well, I haven't spoken to them in a while. But the husband then decided that he actually does want to be better. He just finds it difficult. So he needed help. He needed assistance with how to get to where she is now. Because, you know, he was kind of feeling like he's, he's left behind and he's on his own. So this is where communication comes in. And if third party assistance, marriage counseling and so on is required for this, then by all means go that route. But this is not something that should break up a marriage, uh, inshallah ta'ala. I think this is actually something that's quite savable. And then... Um, Reciting the early hours of the morning, making tahajjud will make him, I think this, yeah, will wake him up. And this is the best time for me to recite and reflect will result in the spouse becoming agitated, grumpy for the day. Okay, so this is actually where the person progressing needs to also be very understanding, right? Yes, the understanding must come from the person who's not progressing, but the understanding must also come from the person who is progressing. Remember, you are now moving forward, but you need to be as considerate as possible to the one you, you're kind of sort of leaving behind in a sense. 
Tahajjud is not supposed to disturb other people in the home. Tahajjud and your recitation is supposed to be at that time of the morning between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And um, this is why it is recommended to not recite aloud, also not, you know, without any sound at all, but very, very softly. So do whatever it takes in, in, this, in this instance to not disturb others in the home. And, you know, to look at an example, if the wife in Islam, if a wife wants to fast sunnah fasts, then she's supposed to consult her husband and, and tell him, look, I'm going to fast uh, tomorrow and so on. And there's a pretty you know, decent understanding for this because um, if, if she does not, then he doesn't know. And all of a sudden he gets the urge to have intimacy. And then he finds out that she's fasting. And then it's kind of like, oh, but you didn't tell me, you know. So there's, there's logic in it. And I like to look at these things in terms of not rights and duties and responsibilities, but rather on the basis of shura, right? On the basis of consultation. It wouldn't hurt to actually just consult and say, look, this is what's happening. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the next question now, inshallah, um, from one of the students as well. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum, Olana. My question for this evening is relating to where one's partner is a revert to Islam. And how one maintains and increases one's own spirituality whilst still being encouraging and mentoring your partner who is learning the basics and of Islam and the rituals before the actual spirituality and increasing his spirituality. How does one balance that? where you're trying to be a better Muslim for yourself, but also encouraging your partner and being there for them on that journey. Mm. Okay, Jazakumullah khairan for that. Yes, uh, dealing with, with couples where one of, the, one of the partners in the couple is a, a revert or a new Muslim, it has its own unique challenges. And I think many young people... Um, don't always consider these challenges when getting married, okay? Um, usually when, when young people get married, it's because they fell in love, you know, they really like this person, etc. But, you know, we don't think in terms of, okay, uh, what about how's this person going to be a father for my children? How's this person going to be a mother for my children? They don't think like that, okay? But this is by no means me trying to discourage um you know, marrying people from a different faith when they embrace Islam. Because subhanAllah, this is actually how our ummah grew here, in, in, at least in our part of the world. In other parts of the world, yes, also, but then it has its own unique challenges. And in other parts of the world, when the Muslim isn't strong enough, then the person who embraces Islam or sometimes even doesn't embrace Islam can, you know, overpower. And then there's this... Um, then there's this uh, assimilation that takes place and, and sometimes people lose their own identity and even their faith in the process. But in your example, your partner, your husband, he embraced the deen of Islam, so he's busy learning the basics. And you would also like to progress, but of course you are not there at the basics. You are actually ahead. So you are trying to gain increase in terms of your spirituality. And this is pretty normal and, and um, should be respected. So again, in this regard, there should be a very open line of communication between the couple. And the person who embraced Islam and is learning the basics should respect that his partner is not on that level and likewise vice versa. I would say in such a situation, try to join him with the basics for a certain amount of time or in a particular slot. Like say, for example, he's doing a course on a weekend where it's, it's for new Muslims. If you can, join him. If not for the entire thing, then at least for like one session. Or if he's trying to learn the basics, say from Al-Mufida or some book like that, um, where he's learning the wudu and the salah and so on, then join him in that process when he's learning and, and actually try and assist him in that regard. But then you also have your own private development taking place that's outside of that, where he could perhaps tag along sometimes, but he also needs to know, okay, it might just be a bit much for him, so in certain instances you're going to progress um, you know, independently, so to speak. And again, this can be a beautiful development because you can assist him along the path. You can assist him in his growth. And subhanAllah, 
uh, I don't want to mention any names, but we find here locally some of our, among our scholars, there's an example of uh, an individual who embraced Islam and his wife was obviously raised as a Muslim. So she was ahead of him. Today he's an alim, right? And and uh, subhanAllah, she helped him in the days when, when he was a beginner and now he can help the whole community. I'm not saying it's always going to be like that, but... Um, you know, persevere because you chose to be in the situation. You chose to accept uh, a marriage where, where you would actually be um, ahead of your partner, right? And um, you should have known, right? Uh, maybe you didn't, but Alhamdulillah, now I can advise others. You should know that this is the type of challenge you're going to deal with. And you need to figure out through communication and through mashura how you're going to deal with that. But it shouldn't be... Uh, um, it shouldn't be a negative thing, right? You should celebrate each other's differences. But in such an example, there's something that's so, so important that I think we, we tend to overlook, and that's tolerance, okay? That's tolerance. It's so easy to forget how we once were. So when we now, you know, perhaps making salah and we're doing everything we're supposed to do as a Muslim, it's so easy to forget that just a couple of years ago, we were, we were in exactly the same place where this person, this partner of ours, finds themselves now. So you have to be tolerant in the sense that you don't tolerate that which is haram in front of you, okay? But you can also be softer in your approach and think of how you would have liked to be approached when you were like that. Okay, and Allah speaks about this in the Quran as well. And Allah saved you. And out of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who was merciful to you, show mercy unto this person as well. So be gentle. And one of the most important elements when, and, and here again, I'm going to speak from experience. When one person in a family excels in deen, the best possible change that they can bring about in their family is through leading by example. You can come there, look, I was just a normal regular guy singing on the weekend, singing in choirs, entertainment industry. That's, that was my job, right? I was, I was an entertainer at variety shows, solo singer. And um, everything that goes along with that industry as well. That was, you know, uh, before I started studying. And then I started studying. Now, okay, so the family knew me as, okay, here's the, the guy who's on stage and in showbiz and in the spotlight and so on. And then all of a sudden I'm studying Dean and slowly the changes start coming. I dress different, I act different, I go different places, I speak differently. And for a short time, I tried the, the bit of a hard approach, you know, separate myself from other people, um, don't participate in this gathering, don't participate in that gathering, I don't do this, I don't do that, don't go here, don't go there. And you find yourself being alienated from society and from your family, and instead of doing good, you actually end up being like a loner on an island somewhere, nobody speaks to you, nobody really listens to you because, ugh, this guy is just ridiculous. But then I soon came to discover this is not the way. Alhamdulillah, with the wisdom of teachers, you need to soften up in your approach. You can be hard in yourself, but be soft with others. And I'm not saying compromise your deen. I'm not saying do what is haram to please others. But um, where these differences of opinion, take the, the lenient view when it comes to your family. And where you can lead by example without preaching, without telling them what to do, without telling them this is the right way and that's the wrong way. Show them how beautiful you have become by changing for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think that's um, the best way. That, that really... MashaAllah, got the best possible results that I could have ever uh, dreamed of and hoped for, alhamdulillah. Okay, so let me carry on now. There's another voice note. I'll go to the voice note, inshaAllah. Bismillah. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaykum salam. Jazakallah and his Naira Academy for this amazing and insightful course which we have learned so much, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. My question is that I often see couples have different goals with regard to spiritual growth and piety. How can this be overcome in a gentle manner? Okay, Taib, so I think that was exactly the same question um, that came from that sister over there. And uh, yes, uh, like I said, it, it exactly what I said, tolerance, understanding, lead by example, and communication. I think this is the, 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 the part where most people fail. Do you have a date night, for example, where you discuss things that affect the couple, uh, the relationship? Do you discuss, okay, you know what? Um, I've decided that I want to pursue 
tahajjud. I want to be a person who makes tahajjud. I've decided that I want to spend more time reciting Quran. I've decided that I want to dress appropriately. I've decided that I no longer want to, you know, do that type of thing. And I know it's going to be tough for us because we're so used to doing it. But, you know, I want you to be with me. And how can we still still spend time together? And I don't have this expectation that all of a sudden you must now also wake up with tahajjud. You must also read Quran. You must also make dua, etc., etc. Um, but I do also want us to kind of meet halfway. So what can we do together that's more spiritual? And then what can we do together that's still fun without compromising Allah's deen? And, um, you know kind of just uh, um, spending time together in that way. How can we do this? And I think, inshallah, it would be a good way of approaching it. Maybe it might be a heated argument initially. Allah knows best. But that's how I would assume you should try. You should really try in that sense. But don't just go changing and leave your, your partner behind, inshallah, because you were together um, when you were not like that. Okay, so now some text questions. Um, I'm married to my husband for a very long time. We have three kids together. My husband chooses chooses his family over us. They always come first in his life. I understand his mother, but his brothers and sisters. My kids and my kids feel why is this? Um, they why do their father why does their father do this? They don't see us at all as part of the family. They invite him for functions, but never us. Uh, then he lies to us that he goes somewhere else and then he's by them. The problem is all of them are divorced. Now he also wants um, to he also wants to part of them who are single, but he's still a married man. Sometimes he came late home because they play dominoes and other stuff. Uh, he forgot he has a wife and kids. I'm so unhappy in this marriage because we, his wife and kids, are sickening in his life. Um, could I advise on this? Okay, so this is... Um, this isn't really directly related to spiritual development, but I'm going to just deal with it quickly, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, in a situation such as this, I would advise that you approach your husband gently, kindly, and suggest that you, that you go for counseling, that you go for counseling together. Why? Not because you're saying he's doing something wrong. If you if you say that, then that, the, you know normally what happens is the partner feels threatened. Oh no, I'm not going to go for counselling because you're just going to blame me for this and blame me for that, and he probably already will feel guilty about certain things. Suggest kindly that you go for counselling. Excuse me. Uh, simply because you would you feel unhappy in the marriage, and um, and you 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 want to find your happiness again. And I think, inshallah, that would be the best approach. To try and tackle this alone, if he um, if he's treating you like this, is going to s probably be close to impossible. I would advise to, to ask him gently, ask him kindly, um, if he'd be open to having marriage counseling, simply because you are unhappy and you would like to find your happiness again. When you approach it in this sense, then um, what tends to happen is the person doesn't feel like it's about them. They feel like it's about you, okay? Because you are saying that you are unhappy. If you ask why you're unhappy, you said you'd like to figure that out, you know? But don't, don't throw blame because if you, want to, if you want to pass this test, right? Understand your partner has an ego as much as you have an ego, and if you're going to shoot everything out at, at this is your fault and that's your fault and you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong, then they're not even going to be open to the idea of counseling because they kind of just know what's going to happen there. Um, approach it in the sense of, I would like for us to go for counseling because I'm not finding happiness in this marriage from my side and leave it at that. And then you don't just go to any old person, um, you know, who can just speak to him. Normally what people do is when they're having serious issues, they just call up the first imam whose number they have. And I'm not saying that there's something wrong with that. But understand that not everyone has the same set of skills. So I would reach out to a, a, an alim or a Muslim psychologist for that matter, but somebody who has experience and success as a counselor, as a person who actually deals with these type of things, right? Like I, for example, occasionally deal with the, these type of things. But in a situation such as this, number one, I'm probably way too young. They need someone that's 
um, more, I think, somebody that's more the Asian they can relate to and they can, you know, respect. That's the one thing. And then the other thing um, is that they they can actually speak their language, right? So it needs to be somebody a bit older. It needs to be somebody with experience and with knowledge. Don't just go to any person, right? So that's what I would advise there, and I hope that will assist you. But may Allah open up the, the way for you because it is a very tough situation that you are in. It's obviously some, some wrongdoing taking place there. Um, and hopefully, you know, things can improve in that situation there, inshallah. Um, there are more questions from the same person, but the questions are, okay, one of the questions I'm going to deal with now, but there's, the other questions are also pertaining to things that's not directly related to spiritual development. Here's one that, that is directly related to spiritual development. Um, I feel that my husband... Uh, only uses me for intimacy, for intercourse. Uh, he abuses me so much verbally when he wants sex, but I must just be ready, right? Um, I told him how I feel, and then he said, just, I told him how I feel, and then he said, do I want to go and, do, do I want him to go and sleep somewhere else? Ya salam. And then I give in, because Islam said we must not say no to your husband. Ya salam. This is a, a very sad situation, and may Allah Ta'ala uh, really, alleviate your, your burden and abuse is such a horrible thing. This is just simply wrong, right? This is just absolutely wrong. The idea of, you know, Islam says it's the woman's duty and so on. People need to understand this context to these things, right? You don't just, I, I find it fascinating how men especially like to throw out the laws. Oh, this, the fiqh says that, you know, you must do this. They don't say it like the Sharia says or Islam says. Oh, but Islam also doesn't expect your wife to do the chores or to make food for you. Uh, Islam also says that she has absolutely no, um, no responsibility to clean the house for you. You have to actually see to that yourself. You're responsible over that. So then Islam, you know, doesn't get quoted. And I think this is absolute abuse, and it's part of the verbal abuse and, and perhaps even the physical abuse that takes place. Na'udhu billah, Allah protect us. Um, this, there shouldn't be a discussion of what are my rights and my duties and what's your obligations and what Islam says you must do and mustn't do. That shouldn't be it. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, like, uh, I don't recall the exact wording, but something to the effect of how bad a man is who mistreats his wife during the day and then at night expects her to, to be intimate with him. That's just, that's just bad. It's just evil. Um, yeah, so this requires some serious attention. Uh, sexual intercourse is an expression of love in a relationship of nikah, right? And it shouldn't be done by way of hate or by way of uh, I'm just fulfilling my need or it's just your duty and you must just give in and things like that. This is uh, just horrific. And again, if you cannot compromise with such an individual, and it sounds like you cannot, then I would say uh, most certainly you should seek counseling. You should seek the advice of someone uh, who's, who's going to be able to speak to both of you if he's willing to do that. If he's not willing to do that, then reach out to a person who's an authority over him. So let's say there's a sheikh or an alim or someone who, or even an older brother or some member of the family who would be able to uh, sit this person down and, and tell him, look, this is the case, then that should be your, your recourse, right? Uh, you can let me know, inshallah, if you don't find a way. We, we do, of course, have the Muslim Judicial Council and they have services such as this, but I would advise you strongly seek out assistance. You don't have to accept unhappiness in your life. May Allah Ta'ala make things easy for you. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Okay, now what happens here is that the, the questions... Um, become a bit muddy in the sense of like which one came first so forgive me if I don't get to if I don't get through all of the questions inshallah but let's go my question for tonight's class is regarding spiritual growth as a couple how do you encourage your spouse without being nagging or sounding condescending also uh, what to do if you see your husband is going a bit off uh, going a bit off course sorry how do you encourage to get back on track okay so I think again we, we've actually answered this already right, the communication aspect, and um, maybe I could add to that, if you see him going a bit off course, and how do you encourage him to get back on track, if you cannot find a way to do this yourself, 
try the same approach that I spoke about earlier on. Try to recommend that you, you sign up to a class together. And there's some wonderful classes like by Mulna Mu'ad Ali, one of my teachers who runs uh, a, lot of, a lot of courses on nikah, on marriage. Um, there's the road to nikah and there's the fiqh of love and things like that. Tell him, look, I'd like for us to do this together. Let's just try and... Because that experience in and of itself is filled with spiritual advice uh, on top of, you know, the, the specific marriage things. But communication, tolerance, understanding and leading by example is the ultimate um, in terms of uh, changing. You know, subhanAllah, I can think of times where maybe I'm uh, feeling lazy or I, I'm, I'm just not doing anything spectacular. And then I see my wife and then she's busy making dua or she, she wakes up with the hajjul and then it encourages me. She doesn't have to say a single word. Um, can you do this? Can you do that? I see the change in her and all of a sudden I feel I need to also, you know, pick up my game as well so that we can move together. Inshallah ta'ala, I hope that assists. Okay, so here's quite a few. I'll take it one at a time and try to get through um, the questions that go beyond this as well. Assalamu alaikum. I hope you are well. Inshallah. Yes, I am. Alhamdulillah. I would like to stay anonymous. Okay. Whose responsibility is it to see to the household chores? I think I answered this one. We know that women takes this responsibility on as it is theirs and no one else's. Plus seeing to the kids, sometimes even neglecting herself. Is this a cultural norm and what does Islam say about it? Oh, it's such a cultural norm. <laughs> Look, I'm not, I'm not for a moment suggesting that tonight, all the women listening to this are going to tell their husbands, hey, this is not my duty. I'm no longer going to do this. That's not the point. There should be an understanding in a marriage of how things are going to be done. In many instances, women decide that they want to work. Okay. They should never be forced to work, but they decide that they want to work. So now you have the husband working, the wife working, the kids are being taken care of by the grandparents or they are in daycare all day long, etc. So there's already very little parenting happening. Now there's the chores. Some people are fortunate they have domestic workers. Others are not so fortunate so they have to spread the, the work among them. If there's this expectation that the wife is going to work and bring in an income and share the income with the husband in terms of the household expenses or the bond or whatever it is, then there needs to be an understanding. Hey, if I'm going to be doing this, then you need to be assisting me with with that right but this is something that must happen with mashura with discussion and organically it shouldn't be something that okay all of a sudden now um, I'm going to change this no if tonight you realize hey things are actually too much for me and I want to have this discussion with my husband then tell him or tell her that look we need to talk about how we run the household okay and then gently have a conversation say this is how I feel I feel like I'm doing too much okay and then how can we change this? You know, how can you assist me? Can we divide up the household chores? Can we, you know, have some days where I do this and some days where you do that? Can we have, maybe can we afford a domestic worker on some days? Those type of things. But have a discussion. Don't just all of a sudden throw, oh no, but Islam says this and Islam says that. That's just terrible when people do that. It's so convenient when people do that, you know. And there's a joke about it as well. I think it's a bit of a cruel joke. But, the, you know, the wife says to the husband, do you know what? The fiqh says, I don't need to do this and I don't need to wash the dishes and I don't need to, et cetera, et cetera. And then the husband says, well, do you know the fiqh says I can have four of you? And then it's like, oh, inna lillahi wa inna ilahi raji'un. Don't do this type of thing. Don't use deen um, to, to suit you and to suit your uh, needs, wants, desires and lusts and so on. Um, and don't threaten your partner with, with the sharia. Because you probably don't know that much about the Sharia to be doing so in the first place, and people who do know enough won't do so at all. So I hope that uh, that assists, inshallah ta'ala. Have mashura, have mutual agreements as to how things are going to be run. And if things have been running a certain way all along, don't come and try and change things overnight now and protest. No, no, you've been tolerating things up until this point like that. Have a gradual change based on understanding. That will be much more healthy, inshallah ta'ala. Okay. How do you get through to a partner that does not communicate well and does not understand whatever you are telling them? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, if you cannot deal with communication yourself, the partner's just not listening, they're just not, you know, then you're going to need third-party assistance, whether that be a family member, a friend, a loved one, or uh, a religious leader, etc. 
but you need to find a way that will actually be effective if your own communication is not. How do you know when you are in a toxic marriage and when it is the right time to leave? This is a beautiful question. And it's a modern word, toxic marriage. Um, Allah says in the Quran, in various places, if you fear that two of you will not be able to uphold the laws of Allah, then you should separate. Not in those exact words, but similar, right? In khiftum Allah. If these, if you fear that the two of them will not be able to uphold the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a very important discussion because traditionally divorce is looked upon as an evil thing. And there are several reasons for this. Some of them are purely cultural. But from a religious perspective, we hear things like the most detested halal thing by Allah is divorce. That's true, but it's still a halal thing. If there's a marriage where there's complete haram things happening, like these extramarital affairs, there's abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, um, depression, anxiety, neglect of Allah's laws, left, right and center, kids are being damaged in the process, then what's worse? The worst halal thing or all of these haram things? This is how people should think about it, but they don't. People think about it like, what's the family going to say? What's my mother going to say? I'm going to be a failure. Oh, um, who's going to want to marry me? I'm already 40 years old, 45 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, whatever the case may be. So, um, divorce is something that needs to be discussed far more frequently. People are afraid of discussing divorce because it seems like such a bad thing. This is a big topic, but subhanAllah, if you look at the, the lives of the Sahaba, you come to learn that divorce, as much as nikah was normal, and plural nikah as well, but talaq was, was very, very, very common. People didn't just get divorced for nothing. Of course they tried, but they did not also, you know, by any means necessary, I'm going to make this marriage work, even if it means I must be miserable for the rest of, of my life. That was not a thing, as far as I know. Alam. And there are books that, 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 that actually document this, subhanAllah. So um, that's the key. In, in my opinion, you should look at this. Is the couple capable of reaching a point where they can still maintain the laws of Allah with each other, with their family, and you know, in, the, in the individual relationships with Allah? Or is there such a bad vibe in this marriage that they are breaking Allah's laws with each other, and they are breaking Allah's laws with the kids, and the family is just going nowhere good, you know, in that case, you know, um, we've tried as, you know, if you did try, then no, that's when you're going to have to call it quits, in my opinion. And Allah knows best. Taib, when you are married, who comes first, your wife, husband or parents? This question is a painful one to hear. I'm not saying because you're saying so. It's just painful because it's such a common question. The fact that people have to ask this is painful. They should never be a question like this and unfortunately there is because people are immature about um, the way they deal with the, the various relationships in their life and are ignorant about the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no who comes first in my view yes I mean you can argue your, your, your mother comes first of course your mother comes first right but at the same time while your mother comes first your wife also comes first while your uh your husband comes first, your mother also comes first. And if you don't have the type of relationship where you can um, have that understanding, then you might just be in a toxic marriage, right? Um, and you might need third-party assistance to make both of you understand what exactly it is um, that you need to uphold with one another. Never make your partner feel like he or she must choose between you and another family member. There should be due right given to everyone, right? That's so important. We don't have the time uh, or the, the ability to go into all of these things in detail. But, you know, it, it does get quite tricky. It does get quite tricky. And I, I'm a, very well aware of this. Like, you have a parent that gets old. Okay, where does the parent live? Oh no, but how can the parent live with me now? It's, this is my space, etc., etc. It's a difficult situation. You're going to have to make it work. If it means you need to separate a certain side of the house or something like that because you can't live under the same roof, then do that. 
do what it takes to to fulfill the duties that you have and the obligations that you have towards others um, while respecting and maintaining the the relationships that you are in. And hopefully, inshallah, your partner will be willing to not compromise, but be, will be willing to, to understand this. If they are not, and you need some outside advice, outside assistance in this regard, then, you know, get that, inshallah. Um, but yeah, there should never be this question of, you know, who comes first, who comes second, etc. And Allah knows best. I hope and I pray that um, that kind of resolves the issue. And not the issue rather, but the question. Because it's a painful question, as I said. Taib, let's see what else there is. Uh, the person says, I have many questions on intimacy, but it's it's from a PDF and it's long. Okay, send it, inshallah. I think we, we speak about that issue far too little, and we should. Is it better to perform salah early on time in order to please Allah or to wait for your significant other in order to get the reward for salah in jama'ah? Um, it depends. Okay. There's a difference between early and on time. I think if if you're going to be performing the salah in, in you know in the waqt, right, and you're just not going to be able to perform it right at the beginning when the adhan sounds, and then you you have to wait for your partner for like 15 minutes, maybe half an hour, I would say actually wait for your partner because there's going to be much more reward for you for the jama'ah. But if your partner is going to delay to the point where uh, you may miss the waqt or you're going to push it right till the end, then I would say uh, don't wait. If you still if you still want that virtue and you're really pious and you're really, mashallah, disciplined, you could actually make the salah at the beginning of the waqt and repeat it as a sunnah, as a nafil, when your partner joins uh, later on. And then your partner will get jama'ah and you will get jama'ah as well. So you could do that also, inshallah. Okay, here's a voice note. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, Maulana. So this question could pose as a couple's only question, possibly if related to a family as well. When it comes to making salah in jama'ah, um, the husband being the amir of the family, how does he find balance between making salah in the masjid in jama'ah or leading his family at home in salah? Um, which salah should be prioritized to be made in the masjid and which one should be made at home with the family? Shukran. Okay, shukran for the question. And uh, she also says, maf, maf for the dogs, the neighbor's dogs are barking. No worries, it's fine. Um, very good question. Um, it's important to know that, first and foremost, salatul jama'ah can be attained at home with your family. Right, that's also considered salatul jama'ah. So even when he's not at the masjid, if he's performing salatul jama'ah at home, that's also salatul jama'ah. There's a separate virtue and a very nice virtue for performing salah in the masjid also. So I'm not trying to belittle that at all. A male should strive to perform his salah, the farad salah in the masjid. What the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would do is he prayed all of his farad salahs in the masjid, um, and he prayed all of his sunnah salahs at home so let's say it's dhuhr you would pray the two sunnahs for dhuhr or four sunnahs for dhuhr at the beginning uh, at home then proceed to the masjid make his fard and then come home and proceed to make the, the other four um, when it comes to when it comes to you know the idea of a family who prays together stays together type of thing there's a bit of a untruth to that when I say so I mean that there isn't actually a thing where the male must pray some salahs at home and lead the family there because it creates a bond. I know it does, but the sunnah isn't that. The sunnah is to pray in the masjid. What salahs he can pray at home with the family is the sunnah salahs, extra salahs. Maybe like tahajjud or uh, perhaps taraweeh or perhaps duha, etc. Um, they could make sunnah salahs together at home if they so wish. But the fard salahs, the actual sunnah is to do it in the masjid. Again, if you cannot... Um, it's fine to make your salahs at home also. Um, so I hope that that covers that, inshallah ta'ala. We are actually out of time. Uh, so I'm just going to take one last voice note. And 
then I'm going to have to ask you to join us for the next Q&A. Um, I can't remember when it is. I think it's on the 7th of April. Let me just check quickly. I can hear my daughter. If you can also, I'm sorry, but she's like asking when is daddy going to come? <laughs> uh, Wednesday the 7th, no, Tuesday the 6th of April, if I'm not mistaken, is the the last Q&A session where we're going to be dealing with family things and inshallah we'll also do that uh, together. So Uncle, Uncle Ahmad Sibda sent this question. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Oops. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, I have a situation where my spouse, uh, yeah, they, there's a total neglect for performing salah. And uh, to me, that uh, impacts on, on the home, uh, especially on, 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 on the children. Uh, when a mother is, is, is very neglectful of her, of her spiritual, or should I say her Islamic duties, and responsibilities. Uh, this is a thing that, uh, you know, uh, as a father, you can do only so much. Um, one thing I found that you cannot force people into establishing salah. You know, you can, you can tell them exactly what the benefits are and why they should be doing this um, and, and that, that it's a farz. But uh, ultimately, it takes both parents' uh, combined efforts and lead by example so that children can follow. And I think, you know, this is a crucial uh, aspect of, uh, of of what develops a healthy home. Uh, Naam, yes, absolutely. It's a sad situation and I, I've seen a few examples of that. Um, and strangely, all of the examples I'm thinking of right now are with the men are actually, you know, mashallah, really, good Muslims and then they're in a marriage where their wife isn't spiritually developed so she's very much um, even neglecting the basics and of these three examples that I'm thinking about the the the, the husbands in the situations were actually very patient with their wives I'm not saying it's always like that and I know you always you, you get the other extreme as well where the wife is super developed and then the husband is like you know <laughs> leaves much to be desired but subhanAllah, um, it's a tough one. You know, again, I'm going to say what I said earlier on. If you both came into this relationship at a certain level and then one of you progresses, okay, then you need to find a lot of tolerance to deal with the situation in a way that, that is not going to break uh, the relationship. If you came into it and you were on different playing fields already, then, I mean, this goes without saying. And what we've learned tonight, I think especially so, is that your spiritual development in a relationship is important because you need to together come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, I'm thinking of another question I saw earlier today. You know, if it's, is it okay if 90% of my journey is by myself and 10% is with my husband? Yes, that's fine. But... Maybe try to change the ratio a bit and make it like 30% with your husband and 70% and by yourself. Because you should progress together. This is why getting married uh, allows you the opportunity to complete half of your deen, right? And fear Allah in the other half. Where does this come from? Is this just like I walk out of the masjid and half of my deen is complete? No, no. You've now received an opportunity to, to, uh, to complete half of your deen. By doing what? By developing your akhlaq with your spouse. By developing your character with your spouse. In that lies half of your deen. Because the best believers in iman are those who are best in character. And those who are best in character are those who are best to their spouses. And if you cannot be best there, then it doesn't matter how you are with other people. Because you are actually just being fake. Okay? You need to find a way to communicate with your spouse what your spiritual journey is, what your objectives are, and how you plan to get there, and see how you can reach a compromise where you're not abandoning your partner, but they're also coming along with you to a certain extent. And they are not joining you for, the, for your journey, but they're also coming along with you for a certain 
a part of the journey and in that you can maybe still find common grounds but it's so important that communication takes place that there's a lot of tolerance and understanding for where the other person is you know that's old principle Stephen Covey's seek to understand before you before you seek to be understood it's a very important principle and then lastly um, it is to lead by example. What does it mean, lead by example? Not come home and say, this must be done and that must be done and I want to change this and I want to change that. No, you change. You change for real. You change where you exude goodness, where the good people can smell the goodness off of you. They can see it from, from a distance. And they become inspired by your change. They become so inspired that they aspire to be like you. And then they come to discover that the reason you are the way you are is because of the deen that you follow and the journey of Tazgir that you've taken in your life. And in that, there is beauty. I leave you on this note, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, we'll end off with a brief dua and then we'll conclude. Sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad al-Fatiha. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil mursaleen. Sayyidina wa nabiyina wa maulana Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta samiul alima tub'alayna innaka anta tawabrahim. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasanata wa fil akhirati hasanata wa qina adhab al-nar. Wa adkhilna al-jannata ma'ala burari ya aziz ya ghafari ya Rabbil Alameen. اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين جميعا وارحم موتانا برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم ات نفوسنا تقواها وزكها انت خير من زكاها انت وليها ومولاها يا رب العالمين او الله بليز اكسبت اور ايفيتس ان ذس كلاس هير تونايت ذات وي كيم توجذر اون ذس اون لاين بلاتفورم فور يور سيك يا رب يا الله بليس اور ماريجز يا الله بليس اول ذا ماريجز اوف ذا ماريد كابلز ان ذا وورلد يا رب العالمين يا الله اليفييت any sort of oppression and harm and injury and hurt that may be experienced by anyone, anyone listening, anyone of our students, anyone of the followers, anyone who, who finds himself in the Ummah of Muhammad who is experiencing hurt and oppression in their marriage, please remove that oppression, Ya Rabbil Alameen. We have no one to turn to but to you. Ya Allah, hear the secret cries and the secret tears of those who are suffering, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, bring love into our marriages, bring mercy into our marriages. Ya Allah, allow us to be exemplary couples to all around us, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, allow our couples to enjoy tazkiyah to nafs, purification of the soul, purification of the hearts together as they proceed towards you, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah, grant us blessings through our marriages. Ya Allah, grant us rizq and barakah through our marriages. Ya Allah, grant us rizq and barakah through our children and our families, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, take away the difficulty of the struggles that we face and facilitate ease in our struggles, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, we've struggled so long and so hard that many of these struggles have hampered our performance and hampered our journey to you. Ya Allah, we cannot turn to anyone but to you. So we turn to you on this night and we ask of your assistance with our struggles, Ya Rabbil Alameen. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحاب وبارك وسلم دعوهم فيها سبحانك اللهم وتحيتهم فيها سلام آخر دعوهم من الحمد لله رب العالمين جزاكم الله خيرا في joining us I really appreciate uh, being with you this evening. I hope that you found benefit here in. Do subscribe to the Isnad Academy, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. Uh, you're welcome to join us for the rest of the course. Uh, there is an option to actually you know, join per class, inshallah. Um, we will be dealing with the spiritual illnesses and the cures from next week, uh, Monday onwards. Uh, there's only a few sessions left till Ramadan. And if I didn't get to your question tonight and you did send me a question, I do apologize. Uh, you may resend that to me and I'll answer privately or in the group for those who are registered for the course, inshallah. And until next time, wa sallallahu ala Muhammad, wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.